This evening we began with taking refuges and precepts and uh, and I think it's really important to keep coming back to these fundamental foundations uh, of the practice. Oftentimes we 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 look for techniques, we look for methods, we look for solutions, and uh, we forget that uh, you know in reality the it's the you know the foundations, the fundamentals that that really. Provide the the real nourishment for our our practice, our Buddhist practice. And just recollecting the you know, just the refuge of a Buddha, the uh, I said one of the literal translations of Buddha is the one who knows. Just coming back to this quality of knowing, and being able to rest in the quality of knowing, having confidence in the quality of knowing, is a uh, a huge support for our practice. fundamental truth that we can can keep returning to. There is a kind of like an elemental way things are. And we don't have to analyze it all that much, figure it out all that much, uh, pull it apart and put it back together again all that much. All you need to do is break all its there is the way things are. It's like this. Uh, it's not a, It's not complicated. Uh, it's not even distant. Uh, it's just. It's always. It's a. a, a, a the dhamma that the Buddha points to is a, is a here and now dhamma. Yes. Uh, so that. Learning how to trust that, learning how to come back to that. Sangha's refuge is uh, the refuge in in uh, the practice, in integrity, just in doing it. Of course, is a part of the part of the precepts. Um, the uh, 
when we have a, a refuge in, in uh, that quality of virtue, integrity. Uh, it's not a, a, a moralistic um, uh, aspect of the uh, perspective, and it's not. Uh, it's more of a um, um, a um, just aligning oneself with something that is is uh, that we already intuitively recognize as wholesome, beneficial. Also, just something that leads to happiness and well-being. It's learning how to pay attention to it. And one of the um, qualities of happiness that the Buddha points to is just the happiness of Say blamelessness. It's not um, in that sen- sense of, of uh, enjoying the happiness of, of uh, uh, non-remorse, uh, non-not regret, not having not regret. So not uh, getting caught in something that that is uh, uh, blameworthy. So that you know, just refraining from taking. Not taking life, not taking what isn't given, all the precepts. This is a uh, a natural way to experience uh, well-being and happiness. It's it's, uh, it's so heartless, uh, blameless, quite uh, something to really delight in. Also, the, uh, um, there's some aspects of, of uh, the precepts that are uh, helpful to reflect on. Because <coughs> they're quite different from um, okay, Judeo-Christian approach to um, Moral precepts. I mean, one is just the word that we use for precepts is is uh, uh, like when we do the take the precepts, the the sikhapadam. It's a, uh, a compound word. Pada means like foot, foundation, base. Sikha is uh, to learn, to study, uh, to train. So it's a basis of learning, studying, uh, educating oneself, training. Um, so it's like, and, and we make that make that decision, oh, I want to train like this, I want to learn about this, I want to figure this out, I want to study this, uh, using actions of body and speech. That's what we learn from, that's what we study, that's what we practice with. How do we live together as human beings in a way that is harmless, uh, has an integrity to it. Uh, and it, uh, it's a, uh, a way that we uh, lay a foundation of well-being for ourselves. The, uh, 
Um, on a certain level, the the whole um, the study of the Buddha's teachings is is a uh, um, it's a education or training. Um, One of the monks, Rambai Giri, right now he's in Thailand before he uh, went to uh, um, uh, Thailand. He, was just, he's, he loves studying and reading. And he went through the scriptures and the, the discourses of the Buddha and um, all the different times that the Buddha repeated himself. Or, Thus you should train yourselves, which is sikha. Thus you should train yourselves, thus you should study or learn. Um, they, uh, they tracked all those down and then made a little booklet and uh, uh, left that out of Bayagiri for, for the rest of us. And, uh, and you realize, oh, the Buddha put a lot of emphasis on this. And you realize oh, it's, a, it's like a... Uh, an education, learning how to educate ourselves in what are the ways of um, creating happiness and well-being for ourselves and others and not increasing suffering. It's a, it's a noble education uh, and uh, really worth study and learning about. Um, so the, uh, uh, the, the keeping of the uh, precepts is, is a uh, one of the perspectives that uh, um, Ajahn Chah used to emphasize is that the, say the function of the precepts um, was to give us the opportunity to understand our intention, volition, uh, in Pali, the jetana, the volition of the mind. Uh, it's not so much to keep us in line or, or uh, uh, make us feel guilty about things. It's about how do we understand what, when we've got, uh, when we commit to a certain standard of, say, of harmlessness, of honesty, uh, what, what, then we've got a mirror to start to see what, what does our mind do? Where does it go to? Uh, what are the impulses there? What are the volitions? What are the intentions? What are the poles of, of habit and impulse? Because uh, that's, um, in terms of training ourselves and practicing, we really have to understand that. Because uh, we can have, you can have all the ideals you want, but you know, you know what you should do and what, what the world should be like, and, and but it's completely useless when, you're, when your mind is completely out of control and you're just, you're just dragged around by your impulses and your habits. 
And you can't really do anything about it until you understand it and see it more clearly. So that uh, one of the fundamental uses of the, those precepts is just to give us an opportunity to understand volition, import, the, the intention within the mind. Another aspect of, of uh, say, of, of precepts is uh, the, the word sila uh, is uh, that uh, it's a uh, um, What is it that we're trying to conquer? What is it that we rely on in order to uh, establish ourselves in the precepts? Or what are we trying to foster when we when we train ourselves in the in the, in the precepts and in the Buddhist teachings? And uh, the, the the quality that that is. Um, always pointed to um, is the quality of Hiriyotapa in Pali and I say it in the scriptural language because the English is so atrocious but, um, uh, really difficult to translate into, into, into English it's, it's uh, early translators translated it as, as shame and Curious, sort of shame and fear of wrongdoing, and uh, uh, which is very moralistic. Uh, but uh, there, there's a certain—it's uh, not that it's wrong, but in the sense, there's a certain feeling of uh, uh, embarrassment. Oh, shame! Oh, no, I don't want to use the word shame because it's—it's it's just too strong. But the reason why it comes up is because one respects oneself. So one really doesn't want to do something that's that's you know, that's harm, harming others or is is uh, is uh, is not really completely honest and forthright because one respects oneself. Has this real respect for oneself. Doesn't want to to uh, do or say anything or move in certain ways that that would uh, uh, would, would would create that. So there's this inner respect for one's own goodness and one's own um, capability. And then there's ultimate there's a say a shrinking back from wrongdoing because one respects others. You realize that um, all of our actions have results and, and, and if it affects others, um, then, then that's unfortunate. So there, and because we, there's, a, there's a fundamental respect for others that one wants to protect and foster. So this sense of hearing what is what is the support for 
um, um, or the adhering to the precepts, not because it's some ideal, but there's a there comes this fundamental respect for ourselves and others, and it. so it's like we want to really nurture these beautiful qualities, and and then it comes back to feeding into and supporting uh, this happiness of um, non remorse, of blamelessness uh, um, that one can delight in, um, which is is. Uh, the Buddha is, uh, even though the Buddha uses uh, dukkha, or suffering, as a uh, um, uh, a fundamental point of reflection in uh, in his teachings. They, as being, by putting that front and center, um, we get it motivates us more clearly to figure out what is it that really is conducive to our happiness and well-being. Uh, what is it that that you know, really really nourishes the the uh, is aspects of uh, contentment and, and delight. Um, so that, that uh, of again, comes back to that learning, studying, educating oneself. Okay. So part of it is the is the uh, is the precepts, uh, uh, the uh, uh, being grounded in refuges to these fundamentals and as we lay a strong foundation have a strong base and, and then you know the practice becomes really um, you know, so much easier uh, when it comes from a, a, a really solid base a solid core And, and then allows us to to direct attention to like the, the the aspects of you know all the Buddha talk, talks about suffering, but he also talks about non-suffering, um, and uh, and so they. Uh, um, say the Four Noble Truths uh, are Four Noble Truths as opposed to say the One Noble Truth of Suffering. Um, there is a truth of, of the cessation of suffering. And uh, that quality of, of cessation um, has many nuances and flavors that, that are really important to to explore. Um, I mean, part of it is is uh, uh, recognizing that they like this, that there actually is cessation 
happening all the time. It isn't as if it is just sort of this on and on and endless, unmitigated experience of of, uh, of difficulty and suffering. It's, there's we're actually there's there's an experience of experiences of of the cessation, the ending of of of, of those experiences all the time. Um, we tend not to pay attention to it because it's you know we use uh, the the the, the uh, what our mind uh, gravitates toward is the uh, sort of like the oh woe is me I'm suffering again. This <laughs> is the it is the way the mind works. Uh, it grabs our attention, and we have to direct attention to something that. So, you know, when there's a, an experience of uh, you know, something a bit more extreme, uh, then we uh, um, you know, tends to get our attention. Either with either the experience of say, suffering, discontent, dissatisfaction, that grabs our attention. In the same way that when we're really happy, we're really it's it's really exciting. It's really exhilarating. That grabs our attention, and uh, but usually those the, you know, the, 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 it keeps going up and down, and the uh, you have to look for things that are a bit more subtle uh, in terms of of you know, what's actually what are we you know, can we actually you know, one we can't sort of live with that. Even if it, we, we experience this or exhilaration, excitement, real pleasure, um, it's really hard to keep that going all the time. It takes a tremendous amount of effort to, 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 to keep, keep that going. So it gets tiring. Um, and so then it's... It, 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 and it, it loses its significance in that. So then, what is the what, what is cessation of, of, of is the Buddha pointing to? And and it's pointing to things that are much more say that easeful, clear, still. Um, Peaceful, and that well, that something is more sustainable because um, you start realizing. Well, that's actually it's not as if that's so far away. It's like when we're not uh, um, reacting to either the extremes of, of pleasure or pain, or happiness and suffering, joy and sorrow, then. There's a there's an ease and, and and clarity that is actually accessible, and that's way more sustainable. You realize it's actually there um, if we tune into it. So that's that's like Neroda is more of a uh, this this um, settling. It's like. Just the word, I mean, it's usually translated as cessation, but it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's 
sometimes that the, the words that that come from the scriptures are hard to put into the concepts of of the uh, English language um, tends to be uh, the English tends to be so black and white black and white, good and bad, right and wrong and uh, that's complicated uh, whereas say like um, the word and even with the word cessation it's like the, say the cessation of suffering somehow you know, we feel of it the image that's evoked is you know, there is the suffering and then we've got to bring it we've got to make it end and but but the the and that's part of that meaning but it's it's more also it's a meaning I think it's not a problem you know, like when, when suffering is no longer a problem um, we, we make a problem out of it so something um, then it and there's a, there's a uh, that opens up opens it up to, to, to all sorts of possibilities um, there uh, oh when because it's also say like say cessation of desire. It's kind of a lot of energy sort of kind of stamp out desire. But if it, if say like a desire and attachment are no longer a problem, then then you know, suffering is no longer a problem. It's just it ceases. It, it's, it isn't. Uh, it doesn't have the same fuel. And that's that's. Uh, um, one of the fundamental insights uh, that are part and parcel of the, the Buddhist teachings are the, these causal principles. Um, when, when there is the fuel for something, then there, there, uh, there there's going to be a, a result. It's going to so that that uh, learning how to uh, not feed that process of of uh, creating problems, uh, not learning how to not feed that process of of, uh, of m- making things difficult. I mean, so much of it is just uh, our perspective, our uh, our identification with it. Um, this is this is me, this is who I am, this is mine, uh, that, uh, that whole self-identification, you know, which doesn't mean we have to then try to annihilate self. It's what doesn't have to be a problem. It didn't really, it's like, like it's really interesting with the, uh, that, that uh, say the, the different forms of attachment or clinging that the Buddha points to in terms of attachment clinging to desire, attachment clinging to views and opinions, attachment clinging to, to uh, uh, you know, precept and practice, attachment and clinging to the assumption of self. The Buddha doesn't say attachment to self, 
just attachment to the assumption of self. Because that, 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 that whole self-position is created, it's conjured up out of, I mean, we've got a body, we've got a mind, it's got to do something. Conjures up and say, me! That's what we come up with. And then we carry it around. And then we get tired and say, oh. But we've managed to conjure it up, beat ourselves with it, and then, what's wrong? It's that allowing the that kind of identification program to just cease or to not make it a problem, not carry it with it, not so that 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 aspect of cessation is it has has these different nuances that are really interesting to explore. Let's say we're in the question and answer sessions today. Ajahn is going to ask him, uh, encouraging to re- reflect on non-desire. You know, in that sense, that it's not so much that we, uh, uh, yes, there is desire, there is a tendency, it's kind of ordinary. What about non-desire? Can we can we pay attention to non-desire? Yeah. And usually, what we try to do is we, you know, we say, "Oh, I've got to get absorbed." full of desires, I've got to get rid of them. And and that's another project that we take on and comes to a burden. So that just that, oh, there is desire. What about non-desire? Where, how do I how do I feel that? How do I experience that? Where's where's that? Where's that reside? And how can I how can I how can I tune into that? You know, oh that's there too. We missed it. Again, we get we get hooked into the the, uh, the things that grab our attention and forget to tune into what what's actually there and what what has more possibilities of actually uh, allowing us to experience peace, contentment, well-being, clarity. That learning how to tune into that, because that's also just that um, the say the Buddha's middle way um, is a and the one sort of middle way of uh, a practice of, of training, which is. Uh, establishing oneself in in uh, uh, the uh, um, principles of non-harming, mindfulness, reflection, um, but then a, a uh, say a middle way of view, uh, so that uh, the the aspects of of uh, say of Say a middle way in terms of self. Like there's the, or says the propping up of self. There's the self-identification is one extreme. 
But then there's the other extreme, the sort of annihilation of self, trying to get rid of self. And the Buddha's teaching on non-self is actually a middle way in the sense of, oh, all of the things that we identify are not actually self. They arise, they cease, they pass away. Um, and it's, it's quite explicit in, the, in, the, in, say, in the language that the Buddha uses, atta is self. But the other extreme, obviously, annihilation of self is vipatta, and atnatta, say, oh, it's not self. Because sometimes, being unfamiliar with the terminology, sometimes they, oh, not self, that's not like I can't have self. But it's sort of, I remember one time, I was the abbot of White Nine Chat, and somebody writing a letter asking to come and stay in our game. And uh, um, this whole long letter talking about themselves and their, their intention to come to Thailand and ordain. They did it, that wrote the whole thing with, with no personal pronouns. <laughs> it's like, there's so much self involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, you know, goes you know, unrecognized. It was, and it was a, a tedious to <laughs> um, But so that, that uh, this middle way of non-self, which is, oh, yeah, this is, this is non-self, it's not self. It's, it's there, oh, I've got these feelings, and these expressions, and these impulses. But um, it's, it's not really my... Central core of my being, what my true nature is. And they arise, they cease, they come and go. Yeah, no big deal. I can come back to seeing that, knowing it. And within that knowing, there's a settling, there's a ceasing, there's a, there's a, a place of resolution. So that they, they, uh, uh, you know, these, the, the teachings of the Buddha um, are you know, sometimes they're just too too simple for us to get. And we keep looking past it. Because there must be something more. I mean, so we can. Keep, keep looking past. Truth is right here. We keep looking somewhere else. So that 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 being willing to come back to just these the the, the fun, What are, are the fundamentals? What are the root things? So what does it feel like when we commit to that? So refuges and precepts, mindfulness, and and awareness, being attentive, being present. Um, What's it feel like? Come back to that. Get learn, learning to trust in that. Uh, so that 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 uh, uh, and it gives a tremendous amount of of uh, energy and well-being. Say uh, uh, we expend huge amounts of energy trying to figure it all out, and trying to get the right technique, and trying to get the right method, and switching them around and getting. 
And it uh, and just letting it all settle, letting it cease. Sometimes that's scary. Again, we rely on our agendas of self to have uh, have some kind of uh, 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 what we think is meaning for ourselves. But the you uh, uh, have to be reflecting. Well, what is actually truly peaceful? What is actually truly satisfying? I mean, it isn't getting what we getting what we desire, fulfilling our our, our, uh, our, our cherished views and opinions. Um, those always come up short. But it's just being able to plug into these 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 qualities of of, of awareness and clarity of. of Fundamental integrity, a clear knowing, a sense of, of uh, compassion, kindness. And we realize, well, those are the things that really nourish us as human beings. So to keep, keep, and then something that we know already, really. Uh, but just giving ourselves the uh, uh, Reminders and, and confidence to keep keep plugging back into it and realize that that's that's actually what takes you to to to, to real uh, clear realization. So offer that reflection. See. Is, is there any less control or more? 
Yeah, yeah, because we, you know, we think that we're uh, somehow if we're we're being irresponsible if we don't worry and fret. If things will fall apart, what what would you know? The world would would just collapse into chaos without me worrying about it. Which is really helpful, to, like to just act like, like that articulating of our, uh, you know, well, what's actually happening here? And that's, a, that's an aspect of, of knowing, is just being able to listen to what our, our minds say and, and to uh, um, have a context around it. And then you realize, well, that's actually absurd. Expressions of, uh, of say, of self, of not self, of well, annihilation of self. I think what you were referring to was the, the middle road where you're not, you know, going to the extreme of completely identifying with self or complete annihilation of self. What did you call the middle ground? Do you have a word for it? Well, the middle ground is is the Buddha's teaching on non-self. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's called non-self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a. Uh, it's an option, it's a middle ground option that we can exercise. Because that the tendency is to swing to those that extreme of like of annihilation, pushing away, uh, or the propping up of the sense of self. But then seeing that oh well actually all these machinations uh, are actually uh, you know the they don't have a, a, a real essence to them, so we can allow them to be non-self. And it's tremendously freeing. Is it kind of like moderation in all things, including moderation? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> you know, in the sense of, it, it, you know, sometimes we, we think of a middle way as, just, you know, we split the difference and we get away with whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> But it's more like uh, it's, just, it's, more, uh, it's a non-identification that's really important. And happiness. Um, well, the uh, uh, there's a there's a word that the Buddha uses, and it's 
It's usually translated as skillful or wholesome, and uh, and it's related to actions of both body, speech, and mind, and they're intrinsically conducive to happiness and well-being. Um, so that that those same actions of uh, and, some, uh, and and restraint is an action. So that some say restraining from unskillful conduct is is a is a wholesome conduct. So that sometimes when we see ourselves restraining or refraining from um, say speaking in anger, then you read, oh. Man, I was able to catch that. And that's a, you can feel and it if from a Buddhist perspective it's really good to notice that and to feel good about it. And that you can take delight in the skillful or wholesome actions that we've done and the qualities that we're we're cultivating. And and it's actually a, a, an important piece of the, the path of practice, a cultivation of, 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 of actions, of body, speech, and mind that lead to happiness and well-being. There's a scattered through the the, the discourses that the, that the Buddha. Um, gives it's a kind of a stop phrases in terms of causal processes, and there's different um, uh, uh, kind of starting points. One of them is is a wholesome or skillful action, um, and uh, others are are wise reflection. Uh, another is a faith, a confidence. Um, there's a couple others, but anyway, it, 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 through these different starting points, and it goes into this stock phrase of that. You know, from those, there's there's the arising of delight, uh, and then with delight as a cause and condition, there's a rising of of, uh, 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 of joy. Uh, and with the, say, the arising of joy as cause and condition, and then there's the arising of tranquility, sort of a physical well-being, a physical well-being. And with the arising of tranquility, there's the arising of happiness and sukha. And so there's like these different types of happiness arise. And with the arising of happiness, uh, uh, there's the um, arising of um, stability of mind, of samadhi. And in some of the a couple of discourses, the Buddha actually stops and emphasizes that point. So the happy mind is easily concentrated. Uh, and then it goes on from, let's say, with with say, meditative stillness as a causing condition, and then there's a rising of, of uh, knowledge 
That was the way things truly are. And, uh, but it's, it's kind of interesting in that we, um, the Buddha put points to the, there's, yeah, there's this, uh, pay attention to this, this, these qualities of happiness and well-being because that's what leads to stability and stillness. And whereas, and I think we tend to um, um, approach from the place, you know, when I get my meditation together, then I'm going to be happy. Uh, and, but the Buddha goes the other way around. So when you pay attention to your happiness, then your meditation starts to really take off. Mm-hmm. 